as far as anyone else out there who is making these kinds of shows, you don't really see that very often. Who is like, I will make a point to have a gay character or a gay storyline in every single show. It's kind of unheard of. So I would definitely say he's a pioneer for that. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zarlingo and Nina Granger. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. Today we're talking about um, a relatively new show that um, is on Netflix. There are two seasons available, but today we're talking about just the first season. I'm talking about the show called The Politician. So if you haven't heard of this show, um, like I said, it is relatively new. The first season aired on um, or in September of 2019, and the second season was just released last month. So first of all, I got to say like super quick turnaround for a second season. Um, oh. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, two seasons. Again, we're just going to talk about the first, um, but this is a show, if you are familiar with the trio, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan, aka Rib, um, they are the team that is behind tons of other shows, um, particularly like teen shows, um, most notably Glee, American Horror Story, Pose, Scream Queens, Nip Tuck, and most recently Hollywood. Um, and, uh, additionally, I thought this was interesting and, um, Nina is going to talk a little bit more about Ryan Murphy in the second half of our podcast. Um, but Ryan Murphy also directed Running with Scissors and Eat, Pray, Love, which I had no idea until I did a little bit of research. Yeah. Did you say that you watched Hollywood also? I did. Okay. What did you think of that show? (sighs) Did you watch it? a little off topic. No, but I was reading that it had mixed reviews, so I thought that was interesting. You know, I feel like a lot of Ryan Murphy shows have mixed reviews, and I'll tell you why. Because they start off very strong, and they have great characters, they have great stories. Ryan Murphy does a great job of giving voices to people who may not have always been um, subjects in television, um, particularly LGBT people, um, people of color, um, more, you know, I guess, I don't want to say off the beaten path, but just, you know, stories we don't really hear. Mm-hmm. He's always done a great job about that. but. At the same time, his writing is all over the place. Um, and I would say that was probably a big problem with Hollywood. There was way too much going on for you mm-hmm. to really focus on one, like, group, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole, like, point of Hollywood was he was rewriting history a little bit. Where these, like, they're, some of the characters are based on real people, like Rock Hudson. He never came out, but it was always speculated that he was gay. And he is also in an interracial relationship. And he, um, I guess his manager was notoriously, like, mean and kind of abusive. And he, like, tells him off and fires him. None of that actually happened. So with Hollywood, that was kind of an opportunity for him to, like, rewrite history how it should have been, which obviously it wasn't. That being said, yeah, I would say. I was kind of mixed with the show as well. Like it had some great people in it. Like I love Darren Chris. Jim Parsons was in it. Um, and actually some actors that are in this show that we're about to talk about. Um, but overall, it was just 
it was just okay for me. What about you? Well, I didn't watch it, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I was just interested in seeing it after I was reading a little bit about it. So I I remembered that you said that you had watched it, but I couldn't remember what you thought about it. So I apologize for um, spoiling anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but yeah, so uh, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk and Ian Brennan created this show. Um, Some of the executive producers as well were Alexis Martin Woodall, Ben Platt and Gwyneth Paltrow. And Ben and Gwyneth were, of course, um, stars in this show. Um, The reason I, I actually suggested this one for Nina and I to review um, because I'm obsessed with Ben Platt. And um, ever since I started listening to um, Dear Evan Hansen, um, who he played the, um, the titular role in the um, Broadway cast uh, in 2016, I believe is when that went on Broadway. Ever since I listened to that, um, I've been obsessed with him. I think he is just a vision. He is ridiculously talented and he definitely did not hold back in this show. Um, Nina, did you, are you familiar with the uh, Pitch Perfect movies? Yep. Yeah, I love him in those. I don't know if that's where, I don't think that's where he like originally got his fame. I think he did some Broadway type things before that, didn't he? So he was also in um, Book of Mormon as well. Um, But I feel like Pitch Perfect was like, actually, no, I did a little, did a little bit of research on him before all of this. So um, he's actually really good friends with Beanie Feldstein, um, who we've talked about before. They actually went to the same high school and he went to, I think, Columbia for a semester and dropped out to be in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, So, or something else. I don't know. He dropped out and then just went on to be super successful. Um, but that's why I wanted to watch the show. I think he's wonderful. Um, and he plays, uh, the main character, Peyton Hobart, who, um, is the politician. And, um, he is determined to, um, not only win his high school presidential election, but he also has goals to be the president of the United States. Um, some of the other actors we have, Zoe Dutch as infant, oh my gosh, Zoe Dutch as Infinity Jackson. She's been in a couple of things, um, and I will say a lot of these actors are relatively young. Some of them, this was their debut, so I think that's cool as well. Um, she was in Sweet Life on Deck. She was in the CW show The Ringer, Vampire Academy. Um, did you ever see the movie Why Him with Brian Cranston and um, James Franco? I don't think so. She was in that too. That movie was pretty fun. Oh, that's one where the, like um, – is it – you said Dave Franco, right? James Franco. James Franco. That's the one where James Franco is like marrying the girl and Brian Cranston's the dad. Yeah. And yeah. he's like a total, like, I wouldn't even say like a loser. He's just like a crazy guy. I did see parts of that, I think, actually. Yeah. Um, she's in a couple other things too. Um, hate to bring him up again, but she's in a movie with Pete Davidson, Set It Up, and also Tay Diggs is in that movie. And um, she's like obsessed with college football. And she even talks, she's like watching a Husker game in the movie in like the first like 10 minutes. And I got really excited. And I was like, okay, this movie's going to be great. It ended up being really cute, but I thought that was funny. Nice. Lucy Boynton as Astrid Sloan. She's a British actress. So um, some of the things that she was in, I was not familiar with. Um, she was in um, a film called Miss Potter, a film that's about the uh, author Beatrice Potter, Copperhead, Sing Street. She also had a role as um, Mary Austin in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, David Cornswit as River Barkley, who um, he's still relatively new to the scene, but he was also in Hollywood. He plays one of the leads in that show. Um, Julia uh, Schlafer 
as Alice Charles. Um, this seems to be her big break. The only other thing she had on her IMDb page was Charlie Says, which is a film about Charles Manson, had mixed reviews, hadn't even heard of it. So um, this is probably the biggest thing that she's done so far. Laura Dreyfus as McAfee Westbrook, who also was in Dear Evan Hansen. She played um, the part of Zoe. She was in the last season of Glee, a few episodes of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in season two, and she was also in Hair and Once on Broadway. Um, and okay, so Theo Germain plays James. Um, he is also on a show called Showtime. Um, and, I'm sorry, no, he's on a Showtime show called Work in Progress. Rain Jones as Sky Leeton. This is also her debut. Benjamin Barrett as Ricardo. And of course, we have some really big names as well as um, some supporting characters. Jessica Lang as Dusty, aka Nana Jackson. Hugely famous. Um, she's probably most recently known for um, her tenure on American Horror Story. She was also in um, the 1976 remake of King Kong. She was in Tootsie. She was in Grey Gardens. Jessica Lang is a goddess. She's amazing, and I love her. She does such a great job in this show. She's so evil. I love her. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is Georgina Hobart, who is um, Peyton's mother. Extremely famous. We all know who she is, um, but of course, I had to write down a couple of things. Shakespeare in Love, Seven, The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Royal Tenenbaums, Running with Scissors, and she was also in Glee for uh, a couple episodes. Um, and then we also have Dylan McDermott as Theo Sloan, who is Astrid's father. He's in a ton of Ryan Murphy shows. He was in um, a couple of the seasons of American Horror Story. He was also in Hollywood. And January Jones as Lisbeth Sloan, Astrid's mom, who um, probably is best known for being in Mad Men. So one thing that I really this is something I've always wondered about Ryan Murphy is in all of his shows, he has just like the most star studded cast. And I'm like, how much money does this guy have to get all of these big names constantly? Like in every show that he has, there's just giant names in Hollywood in his shows. And I just blows my mind. Well, as far as Gwyneth Paltrow goes, she's actually married to Brad Falchuk. What? Yeah. No. What? So I'm guessing that's where he kind of pulls some strings. Probably. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Were they married before Glee? I think so. Wow. I can back check that. Hang on. So I feel like Glee is one of their like first shows before all these other shows spawned. And she was in, I think, season two and a few seasons on after that. So, wow, I had no idea. Oh, they, no, they've been married since 2018. Okay, well, still. They had to have known each other before that. So yeah. that's really cool. Also, um, I will mention that the one and only Bette Midler plays a guest role in the final episode of this show. She also, I have not started season two yet, but she does play a role in season two as well. Um, love her as well. Fantastic woman, fantastic actress. Love her. Um, so yeah, a ton of really big names, but also some people who are just getting on the scene. So kind of a nice mix for a cast. And, um, I thought everybody did a great job. So, um, let's get into the plot. A side, so side note really quick that they met on the set of Glee in 2010. Oh, they did? Yeah. So I wonder how, <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I wonder how they, uh, got Gwyneth Paltrow on that show to begin with. You know, there are a lot of big names on Glee too. I mean, um, uh, 
oh gosh, what is his name? Uncle Jesse from Full House. Oh yeah. What's his name? Um, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I should know this. John Stamos. Oh my oh, god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. I couldn't think of that off the top of my head. I couldn't either. Oh man. Um, but yeah, that show had a lot of big names too. So I don't know. He, Ryan Murphy just probably knows people or something. I don't know. Like it's insane. Um, but let's get into the show. So um, season one is eight episodes and each is about an hour or longer. The first episode, the pilot is definitely the longest. It's just a little over an hour, but it really sets up the rest of the show. So we immediately meet Peyton Hobart. He's a senior at St. Sebastian High School. Like I said, he believes he'll be president one day and is currently running for student body president at his high school. He's determined to go to Harvard as it is the leading institution for former presidents. And I actually did a little research. I was interested which presidents actually went to Harvard. So um, there are seven. Um, well, actually, when I counted, there are eight. So I don't know if they didn't count one of them. Um, but um, George W. Bush got his MBA at Harvard Business School. Rutherford B. Hayes and Barack Obama went to Harvard Law School. And then John Adams, John Quincy Adams, Theodore Roosevelt, FDR, and John F. Kennedy all attended Harvard for their undergrad. So definitely uh, cool. Fun fact. Um, so after applying, he finds out that he is waitlisted, and he believes that that is worse than being rejected. Um, we also learn that Peyton was adopted by an extremely wealthy family. He has two older twin brothers who also attended and got into Harvard, um, but they bought their way in. Their parents bought their way. They're not very smart, and they're giant assholes, um, but Peyton doesn't want to be bought into Harvard. He wants to get out on his merit, and he constantly says all the time, everything that he does now is going to reflect on him when he runs for for presidency um as we know um because you'll you'll find out you know right off the bat watching this show it is very satirical to american politics um as, as we know just from what we witness every election cycle people will dig up anything on their opponent and so peyton is adamant about nothing ever being found about him so he doesn't want to get bought into harvard he wants to do it the right way um, and, uh, his mother, Georgina absolutely adores him and she's always supporting him. So their relationship is really, really sweet in this show. He finds out, um, that River Barclay is also running for president and it infuriates him. They are slash were friends and they also had, um, a secret relationship that was kind of just like very briefly talked about in the beginning. Like River is dating, um, Astrid, who is Peyton's rival, they've been rivals, I think, since like either elementary school or middle school. And um, he also managed to kind of have an affair with Peyton while dating her. Um, Peyton's campaign advisory team is made up of McAfee, James, and his girlfriend, Alice. Peyton learns that River announces a student named Sky Leeton as his running mate, who is a gender non-conforming black student. And he knows that this is a power move and it will cost him the election. So Peyton confronts River, who says he only did it by Astrid's direction. And then after apologizing, saying that he loved him, he commits suicide in front of him. All this in the first episode, by the way, which I was like, what? We were just introduced to this character and now he's dead? Yeah. What I was watching this show with my husband, and he after the first episode, he's like, "Um, I don't think I like this show." So many like it was just a little traumatizing for the first episode of the series, but it gets better. Don't worry, <laughs> it does. And you're just like, "Well, where do we go from here?" You know, <laughs> what's go what's gonna happen? 
Um, so following his death, there is a memorial, and this is when we get to hear Ben Platt use his beautiful voice. He sings a memorial for River, and it's wonderful. And then Astrid decides that she's going to run for presidency in River's place um, while having Skye as her vice president. Um, Alice then breaks up with Peyton for sympathy votes, um, and then Peyton tries to spend some time trying to find a suitable running mate. Um, and he settles on Infinity Jackson, who is a student suffering from cancer. She at first is reluctant, um, but then he kind of talks her into it, um, and she delivers her uh, like campaign speech, and the student body loves it. But then Peyton very quickly finds out from a student named Andrew that she is faking her illness, which again, in the first episode, like, wow, <laughs> so much has already happened. <laughs> Like I said um, earlier in the podcast, one of the main issues with, with Ryan Murphy's shows is sometimes there's a little bit too much going on that we get a little lost. So um, during all this turmoil with the high schoolers, Peyton's family is on the rocks. His adoptive father um, is much older than Georgina, and we are to believe that they married for money, not out, not out of love. Georgina has had couple of other relationships in the past or flames, um, but she confesses that she's actually in love with someone else who is a woman and she wants a divorce. Keaton, at hearing this news, jumps out the window in an attempt um, to commit suicide, but he lives. This causes some issues with the brothers and Peyton's inheritance as an adoptive child. Basically, if they were to get divorced um, because of the prenuptial agreement, Peyton would no longer have any of the family's money. And Peyton's brothers attempt to actually murder their father. Again, this is in the second episode. We're not even halfway through the show yet. Um, but uh, he actually woke up from his uh, medically induced coma when Peyton was there, just kind of spending time with him, Peyton let him know what was going on. And um, so he actually like wakes up before they're able to murder him. He's like, I gotcha. He writes the twins out of his will. And then Georgina and Keaton decide to stay married for the sake of Peyton. So that whole thing is its own story. And it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, definitely adds to the plot later on, but like barely. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of just like the family drama in addition to all the shit going on at the school, I thought was a little unnecessary, but. True. I also thought it was really, really sad that like Peyton's dad really doesn't consider himself Peyton's dad. Like it, their yeah. family is pretty divided that it seems like it's the dad and the twin bro brothers versus the mom and Peyton. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, if the mom goes, Peyton goes, if the mom is out of the will, then so is Peyton. It's just kind of a sad, like, really weird family dynamic they're all kind of pitted against each other yeah for sure and it I mean it does add a little bit of um you know it takes you away from the politics for a little bit and I guess it kind of shows you yeah like all politicians have skeletons in our closet they all have other things going on family issues so I mean yeah it, it does add to the story although the story is kind of complicated enough but true um, so meanwhile, after finding out about the infinity cancer lie, James encourages Peyton to drop her from the ticket immediately in case the story gets out because it will kill the election. Um, but he doesn't. He wants to prove it. So they organize a blood drive. They test her blood and find out that she doesn't have any signs of cancer. Peyton even goes to her house. And while she like, I don't know, goes oh she goes upstairs because ricardo is there her boyfriend who's just this like super dim-witted guy with a mullet and 
a mustache and uh, he's just ridiculous. Um, but while she's going to do that, Peyton actually confronts her grandmother saying that he heard a rumor and she immediately gets extremely defensive and she like throws all of these medical files in front of him like, yeah, we'll see if we can fake all of this and blah, blah, blah. And um, that develops a little bit later down the road, but Peyton's like, I'm sorry, I'll leave. Um, but then after that is when they do the blood test and they find out she doesn't have any signs of cancer. Um, we later learn that Dusty is making her sick on purpose a la Munchausen by proxy, which we learn even later in the show that she also did to Infinity's mother. And that is actually what, um, ended her life. She did it for the attention and for the free stuff. We see tons of different, um, pictures and even video clips of Infinity and her grandmother going on different trips and cruises and, um, it's it's really really sad like this side story is really messed up it's super sad also um they have like a technologist or whatever that works at the hospital um that they're all in well not all i guess just dusty and ray is this guy's name um they're like in cahoots too they were like back when um her mom was sick when she was a baby um and the whole time that Infinity has been sick, that he has been basically going along with them as like a, I don't know, kind of like a medical assistant kind of person um, on all of their trips and stuff. And he must be getting paid under the table and all of these things. And and she's also sort of holding against holding it against him that she could get him fired if he ever were to rat them out or anything. So the three of them are in this weird little... I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like a, it's like a triangle lie or something. It it's, is it's very complicated. Infinity is not aware of any of it, which is really no. odd. Like it, it gets brought up several times that like Infinity doesn't even know what kind of cancer she has. Like people will be like, "What kind of cancer do you have?" And she's like, "I don't know. My nana won't tell me. She doesn't want me to be bothered with the details." And like if you when they would ask dusty what kind of cancer it was um she would get super defensive about it and be like you know don't bother this little girl like asking her about her cancer and whatnot it's just like very bizarre like in episode one i was like something is really weird about this relationship and i kept thinking of what is that what's that show that's based on that real life munchausen by proxy oh um i know what you're talking about uh something isn't Patricia Arquette in it? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually watch it. I just kept seeing it on Netflix come up. I know what you're talking about. Um, did you ever also? The first time I ever heard of this um, syndrome, which is obviously very real, um, was from the movie The Sixth Sense. Um, and there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole scene in that movie. Well, not really a scene, like a whole chunk of that movie, where there is a ghost that confronts Cole. Um, the boy you can see ghosts trying to get her message out there that her mom, and I think it's actually her stepmom, um, was poisoning her over a period of time to the point where she died um, because of this Munchausen by proxy, basically, like to get the attention. And, you know, I just, as a parent and just as, I don't know, a good person, I just don't understand how you could ever do that to somebody else how you would slowly kill someone so you would get attention for it like it's insane fucked up um, it's called the act yes i wanted to say the help but i'm like that is clearly not it but it's the something yes it was the act 
um, which I think that's based on a story of like a woman and her child or grandchild from like Kansas. I think that was mm-hmm. recent. Ooh, scary horrifying. stuff out there. Horrifying. Um, moving on. So um, Peyton learns. This is also another thing that I thought was kind of yeah. Um, so Peyton learns from the Harvard admissions that they will take him off the wait list if he agrees to help fund a new department, which would cost millions of dollars. Obviously, his parent, his family has money, um, but Peyton, again, does not want his money to ruin his chances of presidency later in life. And he basically blackmails them, saying he's already been accepted to like Stanford and Yale and all these other Ivy Leagues. And um, he's like, I won't be known as, you know, oh, I went to Harvard. I'll, you know, be known as, oh, I was denied from Harvard. And that's going to make you guys look bad. Um, so they eventually accept him. And he uh, goes to tell Alice, who has already been accepted to Harvard, um, when he finds her cheating on him with James, which I thought this was so fucked up and, like, unnecessary. Um, And then James, like, proves his loyalty by helping Astrid and Skye look bad at a campaign event, but he's, like, still mad at Alice, isn't he? Like, it's just kind of weird, like, that whole, like, the three of them, their dynamic is kind of weird. It's super weird, and... Alice had made a big deal about this thing where when they were faking their breakup, she was like, we're going to walk down the hall and we're going to pass each other. And I want you to look back and look at me and that way. I'll know that you still love me and that you're still in it, even though we're just faking our breakup. And then when it, when it happens, he doesn't look back and it comes later in the story that she is like still pissed about that. So I don't know if she was, getting trying to get back at Peyton because he didn't look back in the hallway which is like so stupid but I don't know if that's why she was hooking up with what's his name James I don't know if that's why she was hooking up with James or or why but it's just a really bizarre relationship thing going on there and she says later on in the show that she's like oh sex is not a form like a proof of loyalty and I was like, um, okay, I don't know what y'all yeah. Gen Z kids think is loyalty, but like, if I were with somebody and they were sleeping with somebody else, I wouldn't find that very loyal. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I thought that was a really weird thing to say. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, but um, so anyway, um, then Ricardo actually, um, well, Peyton actually confronts um, infinity because uh there is a video that is leaked of um uh infinity using a offensive gay slur which again you know it shows the the satire because she calls there's a video of her and a grandma at um uh, bush gardens and um they're kind of getting bombarded by this news team and she calls the guy a butt munch and he happens to be gay um which clearly she, she was not trying to be offensive but again it, it just shows you that that satire and that mirror to american politics that things like this happen all the time where things get twisted and shown a certain way um but you know hey that's politics so uh the video is leaked and um, Ricardo actually gives it to Astrid um, because he doesn't want Peyton using her. He knows that he's using her because, you know, as a vice presidential candidate, you know, she'll get the sympathy vote. Um, and he loves, he loves Infinity, so he doesn't want her to be used anymore. So he does, he does this in a way to help her, which obviously backfires because um, Infinity gets fired. And um, then uh, Ricardo actually breaks into Astrid's house and the two run away together and make it look like Astrid was kidnapped. Um, 
Peyton eventually tells Infinity about her grandmother and that she's making her sick. And at first she doesn't believe it, but she eventually comes to her senses and uh, the community comes together in Astrid's disappearance and believes Peyton is behind it because there's a scene where uh, after the video or actually before the video is leaked, but they're given information that there is a video out there. Um, Peyton shouts, um, I'm going to kill Astrid. So everyone's like, well, there was a witness that heard you say this. So we're led to believe that you have something to do with her disappearance, which she obviously didn't. Um, it actually ended up being, of course, Ricardo and her running away. And um, they spend like, what, like four days in New York City. And then um, Ricardo's like, I'm going back. You should too. And she goes back. And um, after... So pretty much up to this point, it's been back and forth on like who's leading the polls. So there's a little bit of time where, you know, Peyton's doing really well. Like he has this whole like campaign for, there's like a gun store that's like within, I think a thousand feet of the school. And because of Rivers suicide, they're like, we need to fight against this. Like, you know, wanting to have a campaign based on, you know, uh, mental health and helping people who, who are sad and, or, and kids who are depressed. Um, so they're doing really well. And then um, with the butt munch thing, that actually puts Astrid in the lead. And then she goes disappearing. And then they're, you know, are losing by the margin of error by a couple of points. So Sky is pissed off because she, you know, or I'm sorry, um, they, I guess, gender nonconforming Sky, since they um, are running as vice president, they, they want to, you know, be a representation of people like Sky, people who are part of the LGBT community, people who are part of the black community. Um, they found it to be a, a great platform to make some real change in the school. And they felt that uh, Astrid was not doing that. So Sky approaches Peyton and is like, hey, I want to be your new VP. And at first he's like, no, but then he decides, okay, we'll do it literally like the day of or the day before the election. And we find out that uh, McAfee and Skye are having a secret relationship, which, which is like cute, but also again, unnecessary. <laughs> There's just so much going on in the show. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with what is going on. Um, but there's that whole thing. So the day of the election comes, um, and actually right before that episode, there is a whole episode just dedicated. It's called The Voter, and it's from the perspective of this kid named Elliot. Um, and it talks about um, both Astrid and Peyton are trying to get all the undecided voters to uh, to vote for them. But it's, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Nina? I thought that episode was kind of pointless. I thought it was super weird. It was very weird. I, it made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's just this like horny teenage boy who is like into like, video games and like smoking weed and just like doesn't care about anything and they're just like desperately trying to get this one kid's vote and it's just the whole episode is from his perspective and at the, by the end of it um he's at home with his family and they're like oh did you vote he's like why my vote doesn't matter anyway and I feel like that was like a very very obvious jab at you know people who think they're taking a stand by not voting in elections I get it but also For at the sure. same time that episode was not really worth our time and it was really short it was like not even a half hour yeah it was it was like not really necessary to the plot of the show at all no it was weird throughout all of this Peyton still sees River as his conscious conscience 
um, which is, I think, really, really sweet. Like they obviously had a, a true connection and really loved each other. And it's just really, really sad what happened to River. He he talks to Peyton about how, hey, it wasn't your fault. I didn't kill myself over you. I just, I had my own issues. I feel everything. And it was harder for me to feel the good stuff over the bad stuff. And Another thing is Peyton talks a lot throughout the show about how he feels like a sociopath because he doesn't feel things. Like he feels like as a politician, he has to like shut off that part of him, his ability to feel and be empathetic. And River is kind of that part of his conscience is his, his empathy, his ability to care, his ability to feel. So he's kind of also like the voice of reason. He's also kind of like um, Clarence, you know, in It's a Wonderful Life, just this angel that comes to him and, you know, gives him advice and kind of helps him stay on, on the good path. Um, so I thought all of those scenes with, with the two of them were really, really sweet. Uh, totally agree. I really liked that that was kind of like Peyton's other half. Yeah. And also, I was also really bummed in the first episode at the end that I'm like, wow, this River character is like super interesting and I want to know more about him and now he's dead in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see that he kept coming back like, as a recurring um, like conscious of Peyton's. Yeah, I wish he stuck around longer too, for sure. And um, I, from what I hear, he he is also in the second season as well. So that's good. I was wondering he, that. Yeah. Um, so on the day of the election day, Astrid actually drops out of the race, which gives Peyton the win, but none of the satisfaction because he won by default. Um, And we later learn that he didn't actually even win. Astrid would have won by two votes had she stayed in the race, and it completely shakes his confidence. He tries to get things done and help the school. Like he tries to do like, um, you know, a ban on plastic straws. He tries to help with drinking fountains that aren't being used and wasting energy. Every motion he has is denied. And um, Sky during all of this is like, okay, we need to get Peyton out of office so I can take over and actually get shit done. So they're trying to work with McAfee to get that done. Um, and actually there's a whole scene where, um, they're making cupcakes together and Sky's like, Oh, I'll make a special one for Peyton. And it's actually laced with rat poison. So he gets, he gets very sick. Um, and McAfee realizes that Sky was behind it and she tries to get them arrested. And so there's that whole thing. Um, and they break up, um, and then, then there's this whole thing where Peyton, Infinity, and Ricardo join a musical, which, again, I thought was really, really pointless. Yes. Like, so random. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love listening to Ben sing. I love it. But not necessary. Like, it was they, – they were doing Stephen Sondheim's Assassins, which when they were talking about it in the show, I didn't realize was a real musical. But it, it is. And I was like, okay. Like, very, very um, – uh, like relevant to the plot because you know assassins and um during all this ricardo has been meeting up with dusty and she the two of them you know are lost without infinity infinity knows about her grandmother she confronts her she actually gets her own um like it's apartment but it's a motel room um and she you know is basically like i'm not going to write you out to the police so leave me alone and give me money and i won't write you out um And then there's a whole part where Dusty is like, without actually saying it, admitting to everything that she's done, like making her mother sick and then making Infinity sick. Um, And then she convinces Ricardo that they need to murder Peyton 
because he's the reason that Infinity is no longer in their lives. So on the set of the musical, Ricardo shoots Peyton with a BB gun that has been dipped in possum guts, which he got that idea from, I think, one of the actual assassins in, in the musical. And um, it gives Peyton sepsis and he nearly dies. He is later saved after Rico tell, or sorry, after Ricardo tells Infinity what he did and she runs to the hospital and lets them know. Um, and then Ricardo eventually goes to prison. And then um, Ricardo and Infinity rat out Dusty. There's like a whole scuffle at their house where Dusty shoots Ricardo and that's a whole big mess. And then Dusty eventually goes to prison. All of the secrets involving Infinity and Peyton's campaign are coming to light. So he's forced to resign and Sky takes his place. And on top of all of this, Harvard rescinds his admission. Georgina's lover confronts her and says that they should run away together. Um, and then uh, Keaton finds out about this and writes the two, Georgina and Peyton, out of the will. So everything that Peyton has been building up this entire show is falling apart. And it's really sad. Um, okay, so Peyton and his mom kind of have like a moment where, you know, she's like, I have this opportunity to be happy. I really want to be with this person. And Peyton pretty much gives her his blessing. And so he drives her to the train station and she leaves. And that's the end of the seventh episode. So in the final episode, we are three years into the future. Peyton is a student at NYU and he performs at cocktail lounges and develops an alcohol problem. And I just have to say, I was obsessed with his cover of Billy Joel's Vienna. It was absolutely beautiful. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I loved it too. I, I well, Ben Platt's voice is just amazing. So. I know. I just who gave him the right to I be know. so just unbelievably talented? I don't understand yeah, he's it. Just good at everything. I know, and I watched it multiple times. Like I kept rewinding. I'm like, no, I have to listen to it again because it's just so good. It's just mm -hmm. oh, it's gorgeous. Um, Infinity and Sky visit him. Um, they actually drag him back to his dorm where he's actually living with James. Um, you know, drunk, and he like nearly passes out, and um. Infinity's now a best-selling author. Sky ends up, she's going to some school, I forget what she says, um, she ends up not going to jail. And um, McAfee, she graduates and goes to work for uh, State Senator Dee Dee Standish. But she realizes that their campaign is mostly for show. They don't do anything because she's been running unopposed for several years. She's running for her 13th um, uh, 13th what? Not run, 13th what would you call a state senator's time? 13th election? I guess that makes sense. Um, she's running a post for several years and she's going for her 13th election. And so when turn yes term <laughs> couldn't think of it um and so she actually confronts um the chief of staff who is um Ms. Uh, Bette Midler or Mrs. Ben, yeah, Bette Midler, and she's fantastic in this role, even though it's only one episode in, um, and she basically tells her, like, you know, we don't need to do all those things, we don't need to get into technology, like, we don't, like, they basically send out, like, a postcard to all of their, you know, people in the area that, hey, like, election's coming up, they don't do any campaigning, they don't do anything, because they have never have to worry about running against anyone, so McAfee takes that to heart and she's like I know the perfect person to run against her so she and James confront Peyton and they're like you need to be a politician it's in your blood you're not you when you're not 
you know, campaigning for something and, you know, trying to do something with your life. So they try to get him to run. And at first he's like, no. Then we find out that Alice is actually getting married to some guy named Thad. Um, and Peyton confronts her about it. He's like, you know, you, you know, he will never love me the way I love you. We're meant to be. And uh, she's like, no, I'm going to marry Thad. She's like, I'm not walking away from a four million dollar wedding, which I was like, how can you even, I mean, who? I was thinking to myself when she said that, like, well, I'm sure it can be done, but <laughs> what, like, what, <laughs> what does a four million dollar wedding entail? I know. And you know what? Elephants? Like- <laughs> Are there elephants there? I don't, is it like the wedding from um, Crazy Rich Asians? Oh that was probably four million dollars. Gorgeous wedding. But no, like for real, like if you have four million dollars, like, and I love weddings, don't get me wrong. I'm in the industry. I, I find weddings beautiful. But why? Like if you have four million dollars to throw away on a wedding, you have way too much money. Like for entirely sure. too much money. So um, on the wedding day, actually, she, she gets a call from somebody and informing her that um, actually before he's even said he's going to do it, that Peyton is going to run for state Senate. And she's walking down the aisle and she gets up to the aisle and she runs. She's like, I, I'm sorry, I have to go do something. And she runs away, which by the way, like I will say like her dress alone was probably like $50,000. Like it is a beautiful dress. It is though. I don't know. When I was looking at that church, like my husband and I were, do- were talking <laughs> and we were like, okay, that doesn't look like $4 million wedding unless they what bought the church. I know. I know. <laughs> it was a beautiful church though. I, I do love a, yes. a nice Catholic wedding and it was oof, beautiful. Uh, so she runs away and then um, Astrid gets a call. Astrid's just like, I, I guess I forgot to mention at the end of the seventh episode, she like turns her father in for wire fraud and she basically doesn't have any money anymore and she's working as like a like a waitress. She gets the call about uh, Peyton and she just quits on the spot. So there's a scene where Peyton's at a bar. He's been sober for about two weeks and then he gets another vision of River who's working as a bartender. And this is a very, very sweet scene where he pretty much like convinces him like, you know, do the right thing. Like this, you were made for this. And even if you lose, like it's okay. Peyton talks about like throughout this whole time, throughout this whole time that he's been at NYU and he's been performing at these cocktail bars, he's been very emotional. He's been able to feel his emotions. He's been present. He feels more human and he's afraid that that's going to go away. And River kind of talks to him and is basically like, you know, that part of you is always there and it's just a really sweet moment and he decides he's going to do it. And so, um, uh, and then Sky gets a call as well. And the only person I realized that wasn't there was Infinity, which I guess she's kind of just like over all that shit. And she's just like living her life as a best-selling author. Astrid, James, McAfee, Sky, and Alice are all waiting at Peyton's dorm. And they all decide that he's going to, he's going to do this. He's going to have a campaign. And he goes on live television and kind of announces his like, his stance, um, I guess the weakness of um, Standish is that uh, I think it's like the public transit, like the, one of the subways, I guess, is like notoriously like one of the worst in the world. And so he says that she doesn't care about that because she doesn't take the subway. So he's going to work on that for like the average person and they're going to make New York City better. And um, during all of this, Standish and um, her chief of staff are watching it on TV 
and they're like, oh, we are going to eat him alive. And you can tell just, it's really setting it up for the second season that it's going to get, it's going to get ugly. Um, but, uh, a little actually the beginning of the episode I for, I didn't mention um and this is something that Astrid knows but nobody else does that Standish is actually in a three-way marriage and that is kind of like her weak spot nobody knows about this scandal and they can use that to their advantage additionally she is also secretly running for vice president with um like a conservative guy from Texas so that's season one. That's kind of where it leaves off. And I'm really, really interested to see what's going to happen in season two. I haven't started it yet, but I'm really excited. Nina, have you started season two? I haven't. I really wanted to start it actually last night, um, but I think I'll be starting it soon. Nice. Need a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when we, when we binge these shows, we do need a little bit of a break, but it's so hard because especially on Netflix, it'll just immediately start the next episode. It's like, it doesn't even give you a chance to pause. It's just going to keep going. Um, but yeah, so that's, um, the politician season one. Um, so far it's had kind of mixed reviews, but we'll get into that. Um, Nina has a lot of great information on Ryan Murphy and uh, a little bit more of the making of, um, but first let's talk about what else we're watching. All right, Nina, what else are you watching right now? So just because we're in between things, I wanted just some kind of, you know, something to not really have to think about very much. So when I, um, in between shows, I usually will watch like a stand up or something like that or something I've already seen a hundred times. So um, I watched Pete Davidson's Alive from New York stand up last night, um, which I really, other than Saturday Night Live, set in law. Other than seeing him on Saturday Night Live, I really have not watched any of his comedy stand-ups before. So I was kind of interested. And, and now that I know so much about him, I was like, oh, this might be kind of interesting to watch. So I'm sure that you've probably watched it since you love him so much. So what do you think of it? I did. I actually did just watch it. Um, and I've seen a lot of like bits from his comedy, especially when he was younger. And this is obviously his most recent um, stand-up. And it, it gets a little uncomfortable at times, but... Um, but I, again, I, just, I I really liked it. I love his rawness, and there's um a whole bit where he talks he talks about kind of like he without saying it he talks about the making of the King of Staten Island and how he talked to some of his dad's buddies. And um, Nina said she didn't quite finish it. Is that right? Right. So at the end, I won't spoil it. If you decide to finish it, um, he tells this hysterical story that he was told about his dad in like researching for the movie, which is insane. Um, and he also talks a lot about, cause I think this was made shortly, I wouldn't say shortly after, but like, you know, after all the aftermath of his relationship with Ariana Grande. Um, so I found that really interesting as well, because you, you know, you never know what's really going on with these celebrities and their relationships, but he's again, really, really honest about it. When I think about him and Ariana Grande, I just don't understand how that works. It's, like It is weird. Cause she's so huge. Like she's just, yeah. Like one of the biggest also, names in pop. Yeah, and I just don't, I can't imagine, like, her personality, like, thinking that his jokes are funny. I don't know why. He's kind of just like a, like a, I don't know, like, just, yeah, you said he was, like, really raw, um, which I agree with. Like, she is just kind of, like, on this, like, high, like, prissy kind of pedestal in my mind. And he's, like, pony. Yeah, and he, like, I feel like could get along with anybody. Like, he's just, like, a bro. Yeah. 
That's why I just don't understand how that relationship worked. I don't really, I agree too. I remember seeing like, I don't know if it was like from her Snapchat or what it was, but like when they were dating, like he was talking about Harry Potter and it was just, she was just like hysterically laughing at what he had to say. So I don't know, like maybe he Hmm. made her laugh, but I still can't believe that they were engaged. Like that's so weird. Maybe he like tailors his comedy to his audience and it works for him that way. But yeah, I can't, I cannot imagine them being married. It's just so weird. I don't know why. It was bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Are you watching anything? Well, I recently found out that one of my favorite shows, United States of Terra, is on Hulu. It used to be on Netflix. Well, it was originally a Showtime show, um, but it was on Netflix. I watched it like six years ago when I moved into my first apartment with my now husband, and we were in love with that show, and then it went away. I was very sad, and I found out it is on Hulu. There are three seasons, and I started rewatching it. I love that show it is so I don't know fantastic. anything about it i don't think i've ever even heard of it oh my goodness okay well you know who tony collette is right sounds familiar just google her real quick if you see her face you'll know who i'm talking about she's in tons of stuff but the premise of the show is um she is a mom and um she has dissociative identity disorder so she has other personalities that take over when stressful things happen in her life she has one that's like a 15 year old girl she has one that's like a like a man's man like this like southern biker guy and then she has one that's like a 50s housewife and it kind of throughout the show explains you know, it very delicately handles DID and it also kind of explains, okay, why this happened to her? Like, why does she have this disorder? Why is, why she is the way she is? Brie Larson's in that show. She is fantastic. Um, she plays her teenage daughter and, um, it's a great show. I love it. She give it a watch. I'll have to get look into it. And it's a quick watch too. The episodes are only 30 minutes. So it's easy to get through. And like I said, there's only three seasons. Unfortunately, it was canceled after its third season and it had kind of a cult following and they're all like, bring back United States of Terra. But it's been, it started in 2009. So it's been over for a long time, but I love that show and I'm so happy that I can find it again. Um, but you know, I really haven't been watching anything else. Um, Nina, you said that you watched Eurovision, right? Yes, I did actually. Um, it was a weird movie, but I still really liked it. Actually, yeah. did you end up watching it yet? No, I haven't. I'm waiting to watch it with my husband. It's a pretty quick watch. We watched it over the weekend. Um, so it's a new movie that came out on Netflix with Will Ferrell and um, Rachel McAdams, and it's based on like the real Eurovision, which is like a European. Um, like music competition basically so that you have like one person from every country or like one duo or group or whatever from every country representing the country and then they compete against each other so um they're a duo from iceland and they're just like so weird but they're very very good together um they have sort of like this like they they're definitely into each other but they're like no we don't want to let a a relationship come between our music or anything so they're like super attracted to each other and don't do anything about it and oh god um yeah yeah there's like a lot of like really weird scenes in the show but um it ended up being really really good actually the music's really good in it 
Um, the costumes are great. It's very entertaining. And then it has like some pretty subtle, I don't want to, I don't know what kind of humor I would call it. It's not like, it's definitely not like stepbrothers or anything, but there's a lot of humor in it. Rachel McAdams is really good in it too. I haven't seen her in anything in a while that I can think of. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen her, seen her in anything like this before. So that was super entertaining too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a quick watch and, and it's pretty funny if, if you have a couple hours to <laughs> kind of veg and watch a, a movie that you don't have to like super pay attention to. Like yeah. it's a pretty general movie. Did you ever see The Hot Chick with um, Rob Schneider? Mm-hmm. So that I was like one. Yeah, that was one of her first movies. Really? Yeah. And like that's definitely, I wouldn't say it's the same thing as Eurovision, but like just kind of like that like like dumb humor. Like mm-hmm. that was what started her career and now she's doing that again. So that's kind of, you know, she did so many rom-coms. So that's kind of funny that now yeah. she's uh, doing it's that. It's really interesting to see her in something that's not a rom-com. She's so pretty. I just love her. I know. I I remember um, when she had her baby um, a couple years ago, there was this picture of her with like a breast pump and it was like this super like high fashion photo and it was just like amazing. But then all the comments were like, like mean girls quotes, but about like pump, like breast pumps and like breastfeeding. Like it was so funny. I I wish I could too. I wish I could find it so I could read some of them off, but yeah, no, I think the last thing I saw her in was probably Dr. Strange, which I forgot she was in. She was in that? Yeah, she was um, like the other, the doctor that he's like in love with. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, she's in so many rom-coms, Mean Girls, all of the things. I guess she was in Wedding Crashers. That's um, funny. That's right. I love that movie. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I just love her. I thought it was really the i would like if i were to rate that movie we're not going to review it on the show but if i were to rate it i would probably rate like the actual movie like like two and a half probably like it wasn't a great movie but it was very entertaining and yeah. like, very visually stunning so and sometimes that's all you need yeah yeah i'm not gonna say like it's the best movie i've ever seen it's two hours long so it's like you just want to kind of like veg out and watch something for two hours like, it's pretty it's okay for that so you would recommend it if you just want something funny to kick back and relax and watch? Yes. Like, it's definitely not going to get nominated for an Academy Award. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> but it is entertaining. So just watch it. Just watch it. I would love to hear what people have to say about it because it's just, like, such a weird movie. But it's nice. really good still. Nice. All right, guys. Well, that is what else we are watching. Okay, we are back to our review of season one of Netflix's The Politician. So Nina did a little bit of research on one of the creators, Ryan Murphy. So let us know what you found out. Yeah, so um, he has directed a ton of really, really great things. Um, You kind of talked about it a little bit in the first part of this show. But um, so Ryan Murphy started as a news journalist um, and he kind of began script writing in the late 90s and actually his first script was picked up by Steven Spielberg so he kind of lucked out there Um, his first TV career was writing for the show Popular which was on the WB in 1999 Um, I vaguely remember that show being on but I don't remember anything about it really Um, but then he went on to create Nip Tuck on FX which was 
pretty popular back then. Um, ran for six seasons and he earned his first primetime Emmy award for outstanding director um, for a drama series for that show. So that was pretty big for him. And um, after that, he really started kind of having some big, um, some big shows that were coming out. So he wrote and directed running with scissors. Like you had talked about in 2006 that had um, Annette Bening and Alec Baldwin in it. So I don't really remember that movie, but that movie is weird. <laughs> It is bizarre. I've only seen it once and it was a long, long time ago. Um, also, um, I think I had said that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is in that one too. And it's based on the book by Augustine Burroughs and like his life is weird. Like he is hmm. such, he had such a weird life. He, I forget what it's called, but he also wrote a book about his alcoholism that I read a few years ago. That is a fantastic book, but wow, yeah, that movie's weird. <laughs> So then after that, he went on to co-create Glee, um, which started in 2009 on Fox. And that was with Brad Falchuk, too, who we talked about earlier. Um, those two did a lot of things together. He's married to Gwyneth Paltrow on all that stuff. So um, Glee was on for six seasons. And then they went on to create co-create together the Glee Project after that, which was like a singing competition show. Um they won an out, won an Emmy for outstanding directing for a comedy series for Glee, so that was obviously very successful. Um, he went on to direct Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. And then they went on to co-create. Um, he and Brad Falchuk co-created American Horror Story in 2011, and then American Crime Story in 2016. And they won an Emmy for outstanding limited series for American Crime Story seasons one and two. Um, I never watched American Horror Story because that's not my jam, as we've <laughs> talked about before. But I did yeah. watch both seasons of American Crime Story, and they are both excellent. The first one is about O.J. Simpson's trial, and then the second one is about Gianni Versace. Um, both really excellent. I can't wait to see. I heard that there was going to be a third season, and it was going to be about Monica Lewinsky, but I don't know yes. when that's coming out. Yes, we talked about that in one of our past episodes, and it's Beanie Feldstein who's supposed to play Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, when is that going to come out? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it too. I never saw the Gianni Versace one, but yeah, the O.J. Simpson one is amazing. Like everyone mm. in that is fantastic. You need to watch the Gianni Versace one. It's with Darren Chris. It's mm -hmm. really good. I heard he was a vision in that. And Ricky Martin. Ricky oh, Martin's in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, so then after that, he went on to create Scream Queens, um, 911 and 911 Lone Star. Um, I haven't seen any of those, but those are all like very successful too. And in 2018, he did Pose, um, which is a story about Black LGBTQ plus in New York City in the 90s. Um, this was super significant for them because it received critical acclaim and had the largest cast of transgender actors ever for a scripted network series. It had over 50 transgender actors wow. in it. And... Um, Ryan Murphy donated all the profits from the show to charitable organizations that work with LGBTQ plus people. So um, that's awesome. They had a list of, yeah, they had a list of all of these different organizations that they donated the profits to, which is super great. Um, and then after that, the Politician and Hollywood miniseries. So lots of really, really good things under on his resume um, for the shows that he has created. Um, he's got some casting favorites, which they have a whole thing about this online um, that he there's a lot of people that he will cast in like, obviously, he's got a lot of different productions. So 
um, lots of repeat casters, but for from the politicians specifically. So Laura Dreyfus, which who played McAfee, she was also in Glee as Madison McCarthy and performed on Broadway um, with Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen, which I had no idea. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. She's a beautiful um, voice. Yeah, I had no idea. I can't remember from Glee which one which one is Madison. So it's in the sixth season. I only when I did my very embarrassing rewatch of it, um, I like barely paid attention to the sixth season mm. because it was awful. But yeah, she was one of the newer characters. Okay. Um, and then David Cornsweet um, was also cast in Hollywood. So you talked about that a little bit earlier, and he plays River in The Politician. Um, Jessica Lang, who's Nana, she was also in American Horror Story and another show that he created called Feud. Yeah, that's right. Where she play? Oh, who does she play? Um, I haven't seen it. She, mm, who does she play? It's like based on like a real feud between um, 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 Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Oh, yeah, I heard that was really good. And then yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, who was also in Glee, and then of course is married to um brad which again i didn't know that so very interesting news to me yeah so yep so gwyneth paltrow was in glee um and then judith flight who plays dd standish was also in american crime story season two so she was in um the jenny versace oh miniseries yeah so um lots of really good like repeat casting favorites while I was researching also about the production of the show, um, it was pretty pretty generic, um, but I did find a couple of fun facts about it. So St. Sebastian is one of, is made up of a bunch of different schools, like the library was a different school and the outside was a different school, but one of the schools is actually Marymount High School in Los Angeles, was in Los Angeles, which is where Kim Kardashian went to high school. Huh. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, also super happy with the casting of jessica lang obviously but it was originally supposed to be barbara streisand no way really what happened she backed out to do another show oh no kind of sad great too um she did oh she went no she turned on the series in order to work on her album called walls oh okay aren't it barbara (laughs) i'm sure yeah she would have like made some singing for for nana I don't, her. I don't know, but yeah, like <laughs> Jessica Lang. If you ever saw, um, she, so she was in the first four seasons of American Horror Story, and in the fourth season they started bringing singing, which of course you know Glee is all singing, so you can expect in other shows of of Ryan Murphy's that there's going to be some singing. I think he's a big proponent of um the um like musical dramatic arts, um. But I hated the singing in that show because I thought it was so just like random and it didn't make any sense. And she sang a song and it was not very good. Like, love you, Jessica Lang. You're a very talented woman, but I did not like her singing voice at all. It was very weird. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if he I don't think he has any like singing experience in particular, but um learning more about ryan murphy i thought it was really cool so he is openly gay he's married to a photographer um in real life and they've adopted two children or they had one son via surrogate and then one that was adopted um and he does a lot of work with 
HIV awareness, AIDS um, research and all that kind of stuff, which I think is really like cool and significant for him to use his um, platform basically to bring awareness to those kinds of things, which I also think is just really cool that he uses his own like personal life events in his shows. Like every, pretty much every show he's done has had like at, at least one gay character um we kind of talked about that earlier too so i just think that's really really cool um trans character which james i think is supposed to be a trans male character in the show technically Um, i i did research on the actor because i was i was um interested in that as well um the actor theo is actually he is um i think gender non-conforming which okay is not trans but is also you know part of this you know lgbt q ia plus group so Mm -hmm. yeah he does a i love you know i have a lot of issues with brian murphy like just his writing like i get really frustrated with his shows sometimes because i find that they can get really hard to follow and sometimes the storylines don't make any sense or they're unrealistic like with glee glee went off the rails and glee became just a shit show but some of his other shows are really 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 good um and i i do love that he um has a platform for um and not even just having like gay characters, but gay actors. One thing that I really loved was um, in Glee, they actually had um, a trans character who I believe is either trans or just um, a drag queen in real life. Um, and then um, with this show as well, um, I, I love that he has a, he gives a platform for those kinds of stories. Some people might say that, you know, oh, there's too much. I will say that in some of his shows, I think that the sex gets too gratuitous, especially on shows that aren't restricted to like cable television, like laws. I will say that sometimes it gets a bit, to be a, a bit much. Um, but as far as like the storylines for, um, for uh, LGBT people, I think is fantastic because I, I, as far as anyone else out there, who is making these kinds of shows, you don't really see that very often. Who is like, I will make a point to have a gay character or a gay storyline in every single show. It's kind of unheard of. So I would definitely say he's a pioneer for that. The fact that he puts so, so many like branching off plot lines in his shows that it ends up being like unrealistic. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you watch Grey's Anatomy and so many people from the same hospital die and you're like, this would not happen. Like, what kind of curse is this? Like, this would not happen. That's kind of how I feel about his shows too. I'm like, yeah. okay, there's only so many like ridiculously dramatic things that can happen to one group of people before it's like, okay, this is not real. Right. Um, but I still think he does a really good job, obviously, with casting and his shows are definitely interesting. I'll give him that. Yeah. He is very creative and I mean, you know, he has a show for everyone, you know, with Glee, musical theater kids, with American Horror Story, people who like creepy stuff for um, Pose, you know, for, is it about like models or like, are they model? Like with Pose, that's just what I imagine. I'm not entirely sure. I know it's just about, I know that it's about like, it's set in the 90s and it's in New York City and it's about like HIV and like the LGBTQ community. Um, He had said something in an interview that he was going to college in the nineties and he was so concerned, even though he was like celibate at that time, basically he was so concerned that he could just get AIDS by being gay, like just from being gay, not even having sex with anybody, which is so sad, but 
yeah, it was a very interesting thing that I read about him. Wow. I haven't heard that. Um, Also with his shows like Crime Story, you know, so many of us are interested in true crime. So he has, you know, a show for people who like true crime. Um, For Hollywood, like Hollywood definitely has an old school Hollywood, obviously with the title, feel to it. Um, You know, going back to, um, you know, post-World War II Hollywood. So the 40s and the 50s. Um, And then with um, the politician, people who are interested in political science. Um, And what I love about this show is it is so self-aware with um, the ridiculousness of American politics. Like I found myself so many times watching the show, like this probably happened in real life with, um, especially with Peyton, you know, how he had to, you know, do certain things and say certain things that he maybe didn't necessarily agree with. I mean, he picked infinity to be his running mate because he needed the sympathy vote like he needed he knew that astrid had a way stronger platform and a way stronger like i mean two women running for president and vice president like of course that's going to get people to vote for them like you know like girl you know females in power and um and a non-gender conforming black woman like they they have it all and so he needed somebody who's going to get them that extra you know edge you know a, a person with cancer um there's even a scene in the final episode with Dee Dee Standish and the Texas politician who's running for president where he says, they're talking about, you know, a woman's right to choose. And he asks her, what do you think of my stand? And she's like, well, I th- you know where I stand on it and I disagree with you. And he says, well, actually, I agree with you. You know, we say certain things that we don't necessarily believe because we you know, want to get certain voters or we want to appear a certain way or we don't want to alienate this group of people. And that's so very, very obvious in American politics. That's how our politicians run. And no matter how good a person can seem on the outside, you know, they w- they have done things like this. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is and the way that they were able to depict that in, in high school students. I thought was really incredible. I also have to say, I don't know about you, Nina, but our student body president, I don't remember their, first of all, I don't even remember there being an election. I don't know if we even elected anybody. I think it was like the student council who did. And two, I don't remember it being this big of a deal at all. No, it definitely wasn't in my high school either. I know that I do remember voting, um, but I was on student council. So maybe it was on student council that we voted. Not sure. Anyway. Um, there definitely wasn't any like platforms or like anything that they were trying to change for our school. Like literally for our school, the only thing that the student that the student body president did was talk at graduation and plan our reunions. Like that's it. See, like our student body president doesn't even do that. Like, okay, so I was one of the commencement speakers at my high school and I wasn't even on student council. So I don't know what, and also I'm trying to help plan my 10 year reunion, which was supposed to be this year, but it's going to be next year because of the pandemic. Um, our student body president is not involved at all. So I don't know what they did at my high school. They clearly did not do, I mean, I, maybe more like behind the scenes type stuff, but um, I don't know, maybe it's a bigger deal now. Maybe like student politics is a way bigger deal or maybe it just is at certain schools. I have no idea, but um, just the, the level of, you know, self-awareness and the satire in this show is is very funny especially now with our political climate being as truly insane as it is now i'll just put it like that the the political world that we live in right now is unlike anything that we've ever experienced in our lifetime in our parents lifetime it's insane 
So to be able to watch a show like this, that's clearly not real, but you can see, you know, the similarities to real life and still laugh and not be like, oh my God, we're doomed. <laughs> you know, it was kind of a nice escape, but also like, ha ha ha, like you're able to laugh at, you know, the more serious realities of, of politics. Love it. All right, Nina, what would you rate The Politician season one? I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. Um, I had some issues with it. Like we kind of talked about it, just like a thousand things happened in this show. Um, so it was kind of all over the place. Not that I didn't like that. It definitely kept me super engaged. Like I really wanted to know what was going to happen next. My husband and I watched it in two days. There's only eight episodes. So we watched four episodes in one day and four episodes in the next day. But um, really got through it super quick because it was just wild. Um, I felt like there was a lot of like uncomfortable moments, which, you know, are good for shows, but also I don't love because I don't like feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was just like totally enraptured by the fact that Nana was so psycho. I just like could not believe it. Um, I liked that they taught, they touched a lot about really the basis of the show, not the basis of the show, but they touched a lot about depression and suicide multiple times, but didn't really delve that far into it. Like, I love that they talk about how um, Peyton, you know, didn't feel things and he was very, like, out of touch with his emotions when he was, you know, running for student president, um, student class president. But then once he had moved to New York, he really kind of figured it out and found something that he loved to do, which was singing. Um, so I thought that was really good, but I felt like they could have talked more about about it, like, literally somebody kills himself in the first episode the dad tries to kill himself in the second episode and fails like um astrid tries to run away like there's like just a lot of really like interesting mental health issues that go on in this show that i feel like could have been elaborated more on or like addressed better maybe they will in the second season but i felt like that was kind of lacking that in this season um i also thought it was not that I don't love Ben Platt's musical ability, but I thought it was just kind of weird that they kept randomly throwing it in there. Like first episode, he sings at the funeral thing or like the vigil at the school. Then like halfway through, he sings at the musical. And then in the last episode, he sings again at the bar. And I'm like, okay, like, is this the Ben Platt musical or is it a show? Like, <laughs> and we kind of talked about that earlier about how, you know, obviously the directors of the show really like musical numbers and they appreciate those talents, but it, it felt a little bit out of place for me, especially because like, I thought, okay, great. At the end, he's kind of like wrapping it back in together that he's realized that music is something that's very important to him. And is maybe a, a, a different calling outside of being a politician for him. But then it just, at the end of the episode, it goes back to him being a politician and like essentially dropping it. So I'm like, I just don't, it's that, that just seems kind of all over the place to me. Um, and I appreciate music and I love musical shows like Glee. I loved Glee. I love musicals. So it didn't bother me that much, but for people that probably don't like those kinds of things, I feel like that would really turn them off from the show. So with all that being said, I think I would give it like a three and a half out of five. I did really, really like it, but I had some issues with it. I would 100% agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, and like I said, I, I love Blen, Blen, 
Oh my gosh. I love Ben Platt's voice so, 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 so much. Um, and he clearly has a gift. And I feel like Ryan Murphy, not only was he very talented in just the role that he played, um, but I feel like Ryan Murphy was like, yo, you got the voice of an angel. We have to use it somehow. And he does that a lot where he's like, okay, this person can sing. Let's, you know, just give them a platform to sing, which I agree with you. Yeah, it's not the Ben Platt show where he just gets to stand up and sing for all of us. Um, so it, it did feel a little unnecessary at times, um, even saying that, knowing how much I love his voice, I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, you know, with, with a lot of Ryan Murphy shows that did, the plot did get to be a little bit all over the place. Um, I feel like with the politician, um, he was really able to center in on the main story, um, better than he has in the past. And maybe that's just from experience and, you know, writing a bunch of different shows. Maybe he's finally found a, a way that sticks, I maybe, maybe not. Um, I would agree with, you know, the mental health aspect that um, it could have been delved deeper into. I feel like that would have packed a bigger punch if he had taken that platform to talk more about mental health. Um, I think, yeah, it was definitely a start, but um, I feel like at times it was just kind of like thrown in there like, oh, River was depressed and killed himself. Like, I wish we had gone more into that. Um, and again, yeah, we don't know, maybe season two, we'll, we'll get deeper into that, but we're not sure. All of that being said, I think also, yeah, 3.5 out of five, I wouldn't quite give it a four because of my issues with it, but, um, it is definitely a good show and I think it is definitely worth watching at least. I think that, um, people will enjoy it, um, for one reason or another. All right, guys, that was The Politician. Again, season one and two are both available on Netflix for streaming right now. If you guys have watched this show already, let us know in the comments what you thought. Um, and of course, no spoilers for season two since we haven't seen it yet. Um, but as always, if there's anything out there that you are watching that you think we should give a review, please let us know. Um, Nina and I are also gonna start something interesting next week where we are going to invite one of our recruiters on once a month to talk about um, different shows that they like to watch kind of mix it up a little bit so look out for that next week but until then you guys keep on streaming see you next time thank you for tuning in to another episode of atlas now streaming let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review until next time keep streaming